Welcome to JW Community Podcast, where my mum is basically just blabbering on about nonsense. Thank you, Phil. Hello and welcome to another JW Community Podcast. I've got my co-host Lara with me. Hi, Lara. How are you? Hi. Hi, Louise. And um, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Oh, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day, Lara. Did you do anything? Uh, yes, we're going away this weekend. Ah, yes. Um, but, but I got my present, which was really nice. It was a pair of rock climbing shoes. <laughs> so romantic. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. It's what um, I needed. Okay, right, good, good. What about yourself? Um, I, <laughs> I took one of my teaching assistants from work to go and see a comedian, but that was just coincidentally on Valentine's Day because um I had tickets. Not, it wasn't an actual Valentine's thing. So, but yeah, that was cool. Now oh, I love, love going to see comedians. Uh, yeah, do you know what? The warm-up act was better than the main act, which was a bit embarrassing. Oh, you'll have to tell me who, because I go to see a comedian every year for my birthday, because oh, wow. it falls at the same time as uh, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Right. So every year I go and see someone different. So if you can give me a recommendation, I'll see if they're coming. Okay, right. I'll look him up. Uh, now, I'm very cool. excited about our guest today because we have a Swedish goat farmer on who's named his kid after me. <laughs> Would you like to introduce <laughs> our guest? I'd love to. So this is a really nice guy and he's very funny. And uh, he's got a uh, profile that says Platt Jonas mm-hmm. and everyone calls him Platt. I and do. He's going to explain to us. Yeah. He's going to explain to us why his name is not Platt and his name is Jonas. And I'm really uh, thrilled to introduce him because we met at the protest and uh, we've been friends ever since. So good morning, Jonas. Good morning. Or is it morning where you are? It's evening. It is. Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, good morning and evening then. Jonas, your name, how do you pronounce it? Where are you from? And why is it that you've got Platt in your name when it's not your name? Uh, it, it's uh, it's Plot, and uh, I'm a sheet metal worker, a tinker, you know, making pots and pans. Well, no one does that anymore, but technically that's the trade. So uh, when the society is under construction, uh, big kingdom halls and Bethel and stuff, I did always metal work. So they call me Sheet Metal Jonas, like <laughs> Plot. So that's the name. Plot means sheet metal. No way. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not a part of my name. It's like I would be called uh, window cleaner Jonas, or oh, yes, farmer Jonas, or just sheet metal Jonas. Yes, that's a good example. Window cleaner yeah. Jonas. Yeah, um, and that's also very accurate in my case. Yeah, but now goats. <laughs> Louise said to uh, said to us that you're a goat herd in the Netherlands. Uh, sorry, in Norway. Norway. Yeah. But you're not Norwegian. No, I'm Swedish. They're not far apart. No. But tell us about it. How did you How did you land in Norway? But you're from Sweden. Well, for a long story, short story, short story. I was. Um, I was pioneering in the Spanish congregation uh, group in Trondheim. And I got tired of what I now would call describe as hypocrisy. And, you know, I want, I believed it was the truth and I wanted to do something, 
have a new start. So I actually moved out into uh, into um, isolated territory. I lived in a Toyota Starlet. I was out preaching uh, 16 hours door-to-door ministry is my personal record. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm one of the few people that actually been uh, counseled for doing too much field service. <laughs> wow. The only person I should think. Nah, it happened to me more than twice. And uh, it basically happens because you make the elders look bad. Yeah. The elders love <laughs> have a lot of pioneers in the group, but if, you, if you're really, really, really taking the so-called truth seriously, at one point the elders start looking bad instead because uh, <laughs> in comparison. So I remember one elder asked me to do less field service and he and he was very honest, he was a funny guy. He said, you know, because you make the elders look bad. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so yes. I was I was pioneering out here when there was no congregation. There's a congregation here now. Uh because a lot of people moved here. Uh but so it's not because people came from the territory. So um, but uh, then I was uh, I wanted to move to Mongolia to preach there, mm-hmm. and so we went to Lithuania. I have a friend who was a missionary in Lithuania to learn mm-hmm. Russian. But when I was in Lithuania, mm-hmm. I woke up. So then I stopped pioneering, and I didn't want to wake up my wife, my ex-wife now, and uh, she got sick. So I had all this energy and. When you're in the religion, you can't do politics, you can't do this, you know, there's so much you can't do. And I have all this energy, and I didn't want to wake her up because she was sick, so I just thought, you know, you you, you think, you know, it's just a stupid religion like everyone else, so never mind. So I, I thought, I bought a farm, because then when she was sick, she could take a rest, and if she was feeling good, she could work in the garden, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do. And there's a lot of stuff for me to do in a farm. Because I need a lot of stuff to do, otherwise I, I get bored. So that's why we came back to the isolated territory. Uh, it's a congregation here now, so it's not isolated anymore. That's the reason why I'm a goat farmer in Norway. And also when, when you discover that, you know, it's not the truth and, uh, and, you know, the family are ready to shun you and so on, I deliberately posi- position myself away from the family. And if you think about it, that's really sad because I've been a watchtower poster boy my whole life. And still, when you realize it's the truth, you have to kind of uh, just accept the shunning will start sooner or later. So even if I went to all the meetings and I have this excellent track record in the organization, I still just had to accept the fact that, yeah, so kind of starting pre-shunning myself. Yes. And that, that's really sad if you think about it. Even if you've been a really, I really was a watchtower poster boy. Yeah. What made you wake up in Lithuania? Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> um, uh, what happened? Uh, you, you heard the expression "loaded language." Yes. So when when you when you listen to English and they say stuff, you know, it it, it just triggers your brain. So when they say "lying," you say, "Oh, it's wonderful." And, you know, they say pet panda, oh, it's wonderful, mm-hmm. faithful and discreet slave, yeah. oh, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. When you hear the same thing in a foreign language, it doesn't work. You know, they say pet tiger and you say, oh, oh, take away the children, it's dangerous, you know. Right. And uh, also if they say faithful and discreet slave, you say, slave, slave, that's actually a bad word. It's not a good word. So you're slave listening to it in word. a different language. And yeah, kind well, of hearing well, it afresh and hearing yeah. it properly. 
that's one thing. And then the other thing is that uh, I always I couldn't fit uh, what uh, we believe to the geology because in in Scandinavia all the mountains are flat, flat on top. So you go up a steep hill, and then when you come to the top, there are big areas of flat because they've been weared down of forty ice ages. Huh. And the society says that all the mountains are younger than 4,000 years. So in Himalaya, the mountains are pointy, and in Scandinavia, the mountains are flat. And to make it worse, uh, on the top of the flat mountains, we often have lakes and freshwater lakes with fish that only can live in fresh water. So, you know, I always struggled to get this work. And, you know, you always thought, you know, they always said that, oh, you have to you have to look up the literature yourself. You can't rely on mom and daddy, you know, pick it back up them. You have to do your, and you're, when you're a Jehovah's kid, you're very, very stressed. You're always up in field service and, mm-hmm. you know, and all the fields, uh, all this study you should do. So I never did, as a child, I never studied geology. So I've always just thought I do it later. I do it later. I do mm-hmm. it later. And all of a sudden I was like 25 and I was uh, reading the, my book of uh, Bible stories mm-hmm. in uh, in Russian because uh, you know you know the stories by heart. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's a great way of learning Latin, Russian. I'm just reading them in Russian, and and then I come to the picture when I see uh, you know the kangaroo skipping out of the ark. Yeah. And I just thought I wasted my life. <gasps> no. <laughs> you just woke so up stupid. so quickly. It just boom, pulled down all of it. Oh, no. My goodness. And you cared so much. You were, you were so into it. And, I mean, when I, yeah. you first told me that, I mean, you're just so passionate and you really wanted to believe and, you you know, literally the, your world fell out. I think your problem is that you are passionate and intelligent. And, yeah. And that... Actually, actually it, yeah, intelligence makes stuff like this worse because... Yes. Stuff that doesn't make sense, it's called the curse of intelligence. If you're a stupid person and I tell you that this happened 4,000 years ago, you, you believe it because someone told me. Yeah. And while, while a moderate, like a normal person, will say, you know, this doesn't make any sense, so I don't believe in the religion. Uh, an intelligent person, I'm... Um, not very intelligent, but a little bit intelligent. Mm. What happened? You, you can, you can, uh, if you're emotionally motivated in believing something's wrong, you can just uh, come up with a doctrine that explains the doctrine, that explains the doctrine, yeah. that explains the doctrine, that explains the doctrine, <laughs> yeah. that explains the doctrine. And I mm. came up, I came up with some really, 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 really fascinating doctrines. Uh, so, I, you know, I had one doctrine to explain the doctrine, to explain the doctrine, to explain the doctrine. And when they collapsed, I built a new one. And, yeah. every, and they got better and better and better. And I remember once I was talking to some elders and I said, you know, uh, this question, if you look about this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And then I, I made the doctrine to, you know, some nonsense things in the Bible. And I made a doctrine to explain one of them. That also explain another one and explains three nonsensical things. <laughs> and I, rem- and yeah. I remember the elders I told us that this is wonderful. Yeah. Why, why, did, why wasn't this in the literature? And I said, you know, no, it, it's not. It's not against what we believe. You know, we be- this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. But if you look at this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, and I came up with a, d- a doctrine that couldn't explain all of it. And they said, 
are you sure you never read it in the Watchtower? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then now, now come the funny thing, because this happened more than once. They, I, uh, they said, maybe you should maybe you should write it down and send yeah. it to the society. And then they thought for one second and all the other said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't no, do that. Seriously, no. don't do that. Don't write <laughs> they to all them. had the same direction. They, they thought first, you know, uh, write it and send it to the society and then they just caught themselves and said no yeah. don't 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 do it don't do it so you were like alice in wonderland you were able to believe three impossible <laughs> things before breakfast and and i can honestly say you are uniquely the only person that has ever been woken up by flat mountains yeah but, but you know it, it didn't make any sense you know i was thinking about that as a child but you know you, you they say my mother always said, you know, like, uh, you can't, if Armageddon come today, you will survive. If mama and daddy survive, you will mm, survive. Yeah. But when you're old enough, you will die for your sins. So you have to do your own research. And all the questions are, answers are in the, in the insight book. Yeah. So as a 25 year old, I felt so stupid because then I understand it's not in the insight book. And mm. I, I checked it up and it said, how would this happen? Well, there are different theories. Yes. That's their explanation. Yeah. There are different thin, theories. Thin and lazy. <clears throat> there's there's no theories. There's no answer. And then they said, I, so, you know, still being indoctrinated, I described myself as spiritual weak, even though I knew it was all bullshit. But, you know, you, you still go work with the lingo. And they said, you know, talk to your aunt because she... She did some research about this, and she, she, her faith were really shaken, and uh, and about how did the Indian elephant come to India because it had to work through Himalaya. Yeah. So I said, okay, it's the sun, and she did some research, and now, she, and she's a really nice sister. She's a really good pioneer. She's always been pioneering. Yeah. My aunt and uh, you know leading people to the truth and so on, uh, so actually doing that. Uh, so, and she's a really nice person. So obviously, you know you have to give it a chance. And so I, I spoke to her, and she said, she said, you know, some told me that you had some doubts, and uh, and then she started telling me all the problems. She really thought it through. Mm. How did the Indian elephants come from uh, Turkey? after Noah's Ark stranded yeah. to India. And she was telling me all the different why it would be impossible to cross the Himalaya. She really thought about it. Yeah. And I said, and I said, yeah, so, so what's the, uh, what's the explanation? No, in the end, I decided to never think about it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And, and she, after that, she'd been like pioneering a decade. Wow. Yeah. She just put it on. the notion that she decided to never, ever think, think about, about it. it. And that's not good for a thinking person because the one thing you can't stop a thinking person doing is thinking. Yeah, no, that would not work for me. It worked for her. So, mm. and I, another funny thing, when I, about the same week or same, I was down there in South Sweden, uh, and her her husband he he liked to see himself as a very academic person. I don't think he's, but uh, mm. anyway, so he. He reads a lot. And on the meeting, they had an announcement on the Tuesday meeting. And it was him. He said, because the Swedish school system had a new book, a teaching book. And in this book, there was a question, how to spot a cult. Huh? Wow. Yeah. And uh, the question was, 
uh, if you meet someone you believe is a cult member, you ask him about their cult and say, is everything perfect? And if the person answers, yes, everything is perfect, then you know it's a cult. Right. So then the, uh, they announced that in the future, when someone asks us, is everything person, we should perfect. We should no longer answer, yes, everything is perfect, because it's a trick question. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's fascinating. It was so funny because... Uh, you know, you're waking, waking up and you still go to meetings in the beginning. It's like, huh, did I used to believe that? Yeah. He basically identified us as a cult. So, yes. so they just said, don't, don't answer the question <laughs> in, in yeah. the way. Next time they ask you, are ever, is everything perfect? You should no longer answer, yes, everything is perfect. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Jonas, um, yeah, that's what I love about you. You think about things in a different way and you really kind of have some breakthrough thinking. And when we talk to you, because Louise, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jonas invited us to do some touring with him when we were at the London protest. Yes. So, for example, we went to um, the Tate together and we were just talking as we worked at, uh, as we walked around the artworks. And then, was it the London Dungeons we went to, Jonas, with our friends yeah. from Denmark? Yes. Yeah, Anna-Marie and Peter. Yeah. And um, we were just talking, and Jonas has the, so many stories. Yeah, and, he does. Um, <laughs> he really does. <laughs> no matter how sad they are, he ends it with a, a huge hearty yeah. laugh. Yeah. Today he's ending it with, see? <laughs> Today he's ending it with a cough because <laughs> um, he's not well, so we're pleased to have him. And given Jonas, Jonas, that you dedicated yourself so thoroughly to the cult, you seem extremely unbitter. So one of the stories I, I remember you telling me when we were sat after the protest was about how you went preaching in the isolated areas and how you'd go and camp and that you'd just kind of ask householders for food. And, and that you, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Tell us about that. Now, you, you know, you always hear the stories about, you know, that you go out to field service and you're hungry and in the last door someone give you food or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I was, uh, I was uh, living in uh, my car because I couldn't, I couldn't afford petrol. So I had the car parked and I slept in the car. And then I had three boxes, one with uh, food and one with uh, clothing and one with literature. And I used to go out in the sea to pick what do you call this, uh, the things with pearls? Oh, the, the animal. Oysters, not oysters, the blue one, shell. I think oh, they're just mussels. Mussels. mussels, yeah. yeah. I used to eat yeah. that um, um, as uh, breakfast and uh, evening. <laughs> you get wow. kind of tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, would, uh, I would steal egg from the seagulls and um, stuff like that. Really? Yeah, of course. They're stupid. They can't count. It's really easy. It's really easy to pick seagulls, eh? Because, well, they're difficult to find because they're camouflaged, but they can't count the mother. Yeah. So, uh, if, if you have three eggs and you take all three of them, she knows you've been compromised and she will move away. Yeah. But if you only take two of them, she can't oh, see the difference. Wow. So she will just lay a new egg. Really? Yeah, and then you put the mark on the the one of the egg, and then you take the other one. So you always take the 
the new egg. So, oh, I remember like that. that. Next time I'm really hungry. Yeah? Yeah. Anyway, you hear all these stories, you know, you trust in Jehovah and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, the Bible, uh, and you know, they gave this talk on the conventions and trust and blah, blah, blah. And I really did that. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was out in field service. And you know, the Bible says, the son of the righteous should never be beg should never be begging for bread. You yeah, know, David yeah. says that. And so I was out in field service all day. I could probably find some food, but you know, it takes time to find food also. So I thought, you know, prioritize the field service. I was out, out, and no one offered me food. And I, I was nibbling from bushes and trees and, you know, eating yeah. stuff. And I was more and more hungry and I knocked at the door. And, you know, it's in the rural area, so far to go between the houses also. And she wasn't interested. And when she was clo- closing the door, I could just hear myself saying, could I please have some bread? <laughs> please tell me she gave you some bread. Yeah, of course she did. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so, you know, so now I know my father is not righteous. Okay. <laughs> because the son of the righteous man did go hungry. <laughs> yeah. You've got a thousand stories like that that are so fascinating, and I literally did listen to them all day for a couple of days, and I could listen to them all day today. But you've got a, a story about you mentioned earlier your wife became sick, yeah. and um, it's a story because you were together and you're currently not together, yeah. um, and it's a very interesting story about how you tried to help her. Um, I'd really like to hear about that if you're comfortable with telling us. Yeah, she, um, like I said, when I was living in that uh, car, uh, I, I used to hitchhike out in the territory because I had this huge territory all myself. And if, if the person I was hitchhiking with uh, were interested, I sometimes would just follow them, uh, where they were going. And then I would hitchhike with someone else and someone else. And often I ended up in different parts of the country. Because it's really nothing to come home to when you're living in a car alone. So it's just mm. if you and no TV and nothing. So anyway, I used to hitchhike a lot. And one day I was in the north of Norway and I was I didn't know what to do and where to sleep. So I was standing uh, and I was playing my harmonica and I was playing playing Kingdom Melodies. Mm-hmm. And there was a brother inside there sitting in that pub uh, with his girlfriend and he could. He could. Uh, he heard the, the song that it was Kingdom Melodies, so they came out to start talking to me, and he understood I was hungry, so he went in and got me some food, and it was nice of him. And and I remember that because uh, exactly ten months and one day after that happened, uh, I married his girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> oh Jonas, you dog! <laughs> that was your. Yeah. That's your wife. That was your wife. Oh. Well, you didn't tell me that story. That's I a good that story. <laughs> yeah. So now, um, so you took his food and his <laughs> missus. <Yeah. laughs> and um, now, so you were happily married, though. You were very happily married yeah, at the very start. Happily married. And, uh, so, uh, well, and you really love her. You still love her. Yeah, I, I see no reason why to stop loving people, you know. We, we don't. Yeah less love in the world. Yeah, she's a wonderful person uh, and she got a disease. We were married for eight years. Uh, so when we stopped pioneering, I think she was tired of pioneering. We'd, you know, I woke up, but I didn't tell, tell I didn't tell her. I just said I wanted to break from pioneering and she wanted to. And uh, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to work at a hospital. 
So she got job at the hospital in Oslo and we were in the Russian congregation. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was some fun, some characters in that congregation. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I'm not a city person. Me in the city, it's not a good idea. Mm. And uh, so I bought the farm. Well, she got sick also, so she couldn't work in the hospital. She would give the wrong medicine to the wrong patient and stuff like that, mm. you know, when she was confused. And she got sicker and sicker and sicker, and uh, she was so nothing I'm saying now should reflect bad on her. She she didn't choose that uh, disease. Mm, yeah. Uh, but you know it's called multiple sclerosis. Oh, poor woman. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's it's something that eventually will kill her. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. And um. And it, 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 multiple sclerosis means many scars. Mm. So, uh, they often find out, uh, uh, the people get blind because yeah. the, the, the vision nerve. So she'd been blind twice. And, um, so that's easy to understand when someone's blind, but you know, we have a lot of nerves in the, in the brain. Mm. And so she would go to MR scan and she would have uh, scar tissue in the brain, stuff like that. So sometimes she would be confused, sometimes mm. she would not confused. It goes back and forth. Yeah. But uh, I could see this. Other people couldn't. Yeah. Because I was living with her and know her better than someone else. So, but she got she got depressed, she got anxiety and stuff like that going worse. And I was had to work and uh, kept going to meetings for her sake. At one point, you know. The elders, when they talk together and they decide something, often it's one of the elders is very charismatic and get his will, then the other one has to follow, you know, all talk in union or what is in English. And, you know, they did the obvious thing, say, telling her that she need to do more field service so she will feel better. (laughs) And that didn't work. So they said, you need to do more field service. Now, funnily enough, field service is not a cure for multiplerosis. I'm just putting that out there. It doesn't help MS. But the problem is when they started doing this and they cannot back down and every time they just add on. So they decided uh, that, yeah, so more field service, more study. And uh, after a while they had, you know, they can't blame Jehovah. So after a while they started blaming me for not being a good husband and, and uh, you know, decaying corpse. And they would have... You know, witnesses believe if you go to the elders, they have the best help of everyone. So they would go and say, uh, family therapy, couple therapy, without me. And I told her I don't like that. And they said, no, I'm defending you. <laughs> and she said, you know, I told them, you cannot call him a decaying corpse. And that's really not a good therapist that that's calls not... one of the spouses a decaying corpse. It's not helpful in a marriage, is it, really? No, it's really not. And uh, they would say stuff like, uh, you're allowed to stay with him, but you might lose your eternal life and stuff like that. Yeah. And they also they also declared that she was healthy. Okay. So she go to MR scan and uh, she has scar tissue and uh, stuff in her brain. And they say she's healthy. And they say I'm mentally deceased, of course, because I, I stopped going to the meetings yeah. then because I couldn't take it. They were guilt-tripping her, and uh, so I had to fight with them, and the only thing I told them, I showed them, you know, the scripture says that Jehovah loves a happy giver. I don't yeah. know the English wording. Yeah. 
So I went to the elders and wanted them to read. Can you please read these scriptures for her? Tell her that she, she, she's allowed to calm down. She doesn't need to go in field service and she can relax and, and, and have a, and I remember that elder, he was the charismatic guy and he, you're looking me with, and I told him, you know, this is how religion works. It's, 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 it's called the system is perfect. It's something wrong with me. You can go to a charismatic and, you know, and everyone talking in tongue and they think, you know, the system is perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. Holy Spirit is present. I'm the only one faking it. Yeah. So and, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we felt as witnesses, you know. Yeah. Oh, Jehovah will bless us. Will bless us, but not me because I'm terrible. So I tried to explain this to her brothers. Because when they asked her, do you feel, uh, do you feel full of energy? Of course she said yes, because it would be impolite not to say not to yes. Say, but not to agree, yeah. It's a, it's a loaded leading question. Yeah. So she would come home from field service and I was sitting tired because I just got more and more tired because of the situation and I had to work two jobs. Um, they would say, do you feel encouraged? Yes. yes. Do you feel the Holy Spirit? Yes. Oh. And as soon as they closed the door, she just collapsed on the floor oh. crying. And I said, Jehovah, I showed her the scriptures, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know my Bible. Uh, you know, Jehovah wants a happy giver. And I showed her the scripture when, you know, the, if we don't preach the stones preach. Yes. Have you seen the stones preaching? That actually means that you are doing good enough. Otherwise, the stones will start. <laughs> yeah. I tried every scripture. Oh, and she was crying and saying that I have to preach. Otherwise, I will die in Armageddon. Oh, dear. And I remember the last meeting I went to. Because, one, th one uh, well, there's a lot of things I, I, I love with my ex-wife. And one thing that uh, when we went to the convention, when we were pioneering, they always say, you know, oh, you go into field service, you get energy, you feel better. Mm -hmm. And she would actually go and confront the, the brother who gave the speech and say, that's wrong. You were lying. Wow. And they were looking at me like, control your wife. And <laughs> I, I'm a feminist, so I actually oh. like the fact that she would uh, speak out for herself, you know. Yeah. So when she was healthy and pioneering, she would always speak out against that, that field serving does not give you energy. And and obviously, um, it's not a good strategy for me being a young man uh, reaching out for privilege. Yeah. But anyway, so the last meeting I went to, after seeing her collapse on the floor if every time after... Uh, field service and she was sick and and I actually started thinking that she might be dying yeah that's that's a really bad place to be uh, because mm -hmm. you know you love the witnesses and you know they're they believe they're doing the right thing and they are dragging her out in field service and making an effort because they think they're doing the right thing while you start to realize that they're actually literally killing her yeah so I went to the meeting and was this elder giving a speech and he said, you know, brothers and sisters, when we come home from our secular job, we're tired and we feel tired and we feel tired. And then we go out in field service and when we come home from the field service, we're full of energy okay. and we are. And isn't this that way? And I can see all the congregation were nodding their heads like cult members, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I just said, this is crazy. And I looked at my wife because... Remember, she would always go and confront them. And I look at her now in the sixth state she is, and she's sitting there mm -hmm. smiling and nodding her head. Must and it, yeah. it, it was terrible to see because 
I know her. I know when she was healthy and we were pioneering. Yeah. yeah. Would she would say that you know after field service you're tired? Mm. She was real, but now when she's that, I actually thought she was dying, and mm. now she's nodding along. And I told her why were you nodding along, and mm. she said. She basically said, the system is perfect, the fault is with me. She said, yeah. we know it's true, we know it's true, but I'm a bad person, so oh, it doesn't work. And that's the that. point where I actually had to go and talk to the elders and be an open rebellion. And rebellion would be, I asked them to read the scriptures for her, that mm. Jehovah wants a happy giver. Yeah, and that's, that was rebellion. Yeah, and then <laughs> I was marked, Blind. and uh, they did everything to come between us and it's really sad and so I was fighting yeah. with them. and you go through this apostate anger state where you're angry yes. and, and and they they publicly blamed me for her being sick wow. because you know they believe that uh, if someone disagree with you uh, if someone disagree with the witnesses that's abuse mm. someone abusing you know they call the police if someone disagree with the witnesses they call the police yeah. You know? Yeah. So so they accused me of abusing her and stuff like that and uh, they also accused me of physical abuse and mm. drug abuse oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah I, I don't care about that. It's just stupid people talking bad about me behind I don't care about that, but uh, it doesn't help a, a relationship. <laughs> and also mm. given the kind of person that they'd seen you be hard working and so genuine and sincere, you think yeah. that they would have you would have hoped that they would have just stepped back and thought, oh, hang on a minute, Jonas is like, you know, Jonas is the the one guy that, that does more field service and is more honest hearted and sleeps in his car and begs for a bit of bread. And he, surely maybe he's got a point. Maybe we should treat him with a bit of respect because of his... Oh, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, doesn't work like you, that. You know, they actually, um, they actually publicly shamed me every meeting. I went to the meeting for her sake, you know. I was awake for 15 years, something like that. Uh, but um, I remember they, because pioneering for 10 years, and uh, I used to work like less than one day a week, huh? secular, and then also giving contribution to the society. And uh, so obviously you're not a rich man after that. So when you stop pioneering, I have to work two jobs. And I remember they, they were shaming me uh, in front of people in the congregation. And they said, you that used to be such a good example, trusting in Jehovah that he would pay your bills. And now when your wife gets sick, you're working two jobs. <laughs> How dare you support your sick wife? Yeah. And then they, they topped it off. You know what they said? Mm. They said, why can't you be more like your wife? She's not working and Jehovah provides for her. He provides for oh through you working. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that all of this, I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen to us. But we could picture this happening, right, Louise? Yeah. This could have happened in your congregation. This could have happened in my congregation. It's not unbelievable. It's actually their normal behaviour and it's replicated globally. Yeah, it, you know what? It reminds me a little bit of how um, Olaf Johnson was treated. Do you know the man? No. That, the, so Olaf Johnson was a, a, a thinker and a, an intelligent man. I, I think it was back in the 70s and he worked out that six or seven wasn't the right date. And he, in all, he was like, 
Jonas, really honest-hearted, really hard-working. And he wrote really optimistically to the society saying, oh, you know, I'm just pointing this out that we've kind of got the chronology wrong. But And he genuinely thought, now that I've shown them, they'll be really grateful because we've got it right now. And, um, of course, they disfellowshipped him. <laughs> and I think it must have been an absolute blow to be treated like that because he was honestly thinking, you know, if I just, if I just write... And, and show them all this in-depth study that he'd done and show them how they've just got it a little bit wrong. It wasn't a criticism. It was like, hey, this is great. We've got it right now. No. no just yeah. Yeah. Jonas, now, I mean, this is the type of thing, this type of behaviour is obviously um, why you finally got out and why we met at the protest because you're really passionate about human rights. Yeah. I mean, you, you – I carried a sign because I loved your sign. Your sign was my favourite at the protest because it was about human rights. Sorry, that's my alarm going off. Oh, bless you. <laughs> you need to wake um, up now, right? <laughs> no, I actually need to get going. Oh, but I'm okay, going to talk right. to you while I walk. Um, but, Jonas, what I'm really interested in is that you're helping now to organise another protest. So since our protest, there's been quite a few organised. I know about five of them. And I heard that you're doing a protest in Sweden. You're helping some people. So I was really interested in hearing about your interest in human rights and how that is going to become a protest in Sweden. Yeah, because we are, we don't want to have like one protest. We want like, uh, have a movement and, well, we can use the same sign, signs over and over again. And we can also get politicians and so I'm in a planning committee with three sisters and we always refer to each other yeah. as brothers and sisters yeah. because it's nice. It makes me it happy. Nice. And, um, the, the society have to go to court now and, uh, they are actually prosecuted for or the brother in charge of com, uh, convention is prosecuted because in, in most countries if you want to have a public showing like a cinema and you want to show films in cinema you have to ask for uh, uh, age rating you know children uh, of the age of 10 can watch this you know 15 18 because uh, when you're at home the parents can evaluate the situation and say you know this is not appropriate for my child or it is, but when it's a public meeting like a cinema or a kingdom hall, it's actually the the people in charge of the of the meeting mm. who should uh, ask. There's a, like a committee, a government appointed committee that can go through the movies. So one activist, he actually wrote, he had this fellowship brother, but he he wrote to the society and told them that what you're doing is illegal, and obviously they never did anything about that, and then. This sister, she went to the to this board, government board, working with it, and they said, you know, we what the society is doing is wrong. This should be R-rated, like sixteen years plus. <laughs> you know, the wow. R-rated movies. Yeah, because the kids actually believe it's true. You're told yes, this course, is true. Yes. So it should be sixteen years. And hmm. uh, so he said, uh, th this board said, well, the society is breaking the law, but it's not in our authority to press for charges. 
Right. So she said she basically had to harass them <laughs> until they did. She was nagging them and nagging them like the, the widow in, in Jesus' illustration there. So she was nagging and nagging and nagging. And then they sent a letter to the police and said, we want to inform you that uh, the Watchtower are breaking this rule. And still nothing happened. And she was kept nagging them. So they wrote a new letter with stronger words to inform the police about the wrongdoing. <laughs> because the, it's not in their authority to press for charges. And then she was harassing the police instead. <laughs> and yeah, in the yeah. end, the police said, well, if you can document that they actually do this, because if if we would say that the society is showing movies to R-rated movies, uh, movies that should be R-rated mm-hmm. to children, then the society would just say, well, there's no children present at our convention. Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or they would say, no, we didn't show any movies at that co- convention. So she went to the convention and Got had evidence. film uh, evidence. And so now, and the reason why, um, and so the the guy who's in charge, he's actually he will never go to jail, and and I don't want him to go to jail either. But it, it's it's a, he's facing two years time. Right. He could, t- technically, wow. he could go to jail for two years. That's incredible. That's that's the, that's the sort of activism that Stephen Unthank does. Yeah, but but uh, this. Um, he won't go to jail because there's first time offense and, and so on. But it also means that uh, we can go back in time if, if, if he, I don't know what you would call it in English, but uh, normally what happened is he, he get, let's say he get one year on Yale, but yeah. it's, it's uh, free. So he can still walk around in the normal society. He only goes to jail if he commits any other crime within the yes. time. Yeah. Then he goes straight to jail. Yeah, they yeah. also do that in Sweden if, if, if it's, uh, uh, if you're a first-time offender, and uh, yeah, that makes sense. So, where, whereabouts, and whenabouts is your protest? Yeah, so the protest, uh, uh, you know, I believe in democracy, so I don't want to be standing outside court and yeah. telling the judge what to do. That would not be, uh, I don't know the English word. It wouldn't be. It would be inappropriate. Yes. So our protest is for uh, children's rights. Yes. Because uh, when the police eventually took hand of this, it was because of uh, the it was anti-gay propaganda. Yes. And obviously, I we support the the gay movement and stuff like that, but we we still believe that the government did something wrong because the uh, gay people are most of them grown-ups, while children are children. So yeah, we, we believe that you should pre- if you should protect someone, you always start with the children and then you yes. take the grown-ups. So, um, and our protest will, and we put a lot of thought in this. So we want to have three signs, mm-hmm. the whites, uh, the same size as my sign on, on, on the protest yeah. uh, in London. Uh, so the blue ones, and we, we use color codings. So the blue ones say that all religions must uh, follow the uh, Convention of Human Rights or it says uh, the European Convention of Human Rights. And then we have green signs that says all religions must uh, uh, follow UN Child Convention. Yeah. The green signs. And then we have white signs that says hashtag all religions must. So we have white, blue, green, white, blue, green, white, blue, green. Right, and, yes. And then we ask the, the, the protesters if they come, we don't know, but we ask the protesters 
to express their individuality through their dressing. So if you work in a bank, you come in a suit. If you work as a window cleaner, you're dressed as a window cleaner. If yes, you're a hippie, yes. you're dressed as a hippie. Because that actually delivers a very strong message. Because if you see 20 people from different demographics with the same message, then people get interested. Right. What's this message? Because it appeals to everyone, therefore it appeals to me. And it's also because we work with their politicians. When politicians see that, they see, oh, all demographics. So yeah. that's my voters. But there's also the other guy's voters. So this question uh, is important for not only my voters, but the other guys. Right. So maybe yeah. I can Can I ask a question about the details? What is the date of the protest? Where will it physically be held? Yes, it's in Stockholm, a place called Flemings Bay, outside Stockholm. Uh, it's uh, the courthouse. Um, so uh, it is the 25th of March. And if you would come, I have written down here from Stockholm Central Station. It takes 19 minutes with train. And then when you come to Flemings Bay, it's four minute work to the protest. And the court is set between nine and 12. So we're thinking about having a one hour protest before and two hour protest afterwards. And then we have lunch and we'll meet, uh, you know, we have a meetup in the late evening with other so it's a, Thanks. It's, so it's a one day protest just once? Yeah, this is a one day outside court. So the witnesses go to court. If they wanted to contact someone, would they contact you or is there someone else who's the central contact? Yeah, they can contact me and we have, like, we have, uh, well, I just bought a web uh, domain, uh, All Religions Must, uh, but we also have, uh, yeah, they can contact me. Short story, <laughs> short answer, yes, they can. Okay, and you said to me that you were working with some ladies and you would be really interested, as you said before, you're a feminist. You really want them to get involved and you'd really like them to speak out. So, for example, if you're able to obtain some media, you would like them to put themselves forward, to be comfortable and confident that you'll support them. Is that the case? Is there any particular woman that it'd be good to be in contact with or would you like to encourage people to come forward for that? Uh, I don't understand the question. I, so, uh, on a protest, you need a spokesperson, and yes. I'm a spokesperson, but I, I like to have also a female spokesperson. So we have two. That's uh, that's also uh, very Scandinavian, you know. That's uh, one from each gender is a spokesperson for uh, every. Yeah. So, yeah, so you'd like to encourage people to come forward. You're particularly interested in a woman standing up there next to you. And re, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone's in, invited. Everyone's invited for yes. the protest. But uh, when you have a protest, you 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 want uh, an official spokesperson uh, that uh, preferably have uh, experience. And the two sisters in the planning committee they did not want to. Mm. Yes, obviously I have to respect that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. We we don't expect for hundreds of people to come, but um, we, we believe this have a big impact because mm -hmm. you know when, when uh, you know when we grew up, the society, it, the literature used to say that you should beat your kids, and I know my mother is very sad of this because she used to beat the kids because the elders told so her to. So. Yeah. yeah. And she said it felt wrong to beat a toddler for sleeping. Oh. The elders told me to. 
if you think about it, why did the society stop with it? Well, because when Sweden, as first country, passed the legislation, you're not allowed to beat your kids. At one point, they, they realized, you know, if Armageddon will come the next 15 years, so 15 years, those kids can sue us. And society really don't want to lose money. So they stopped talking about beating your kids. And now you saw in the Australian Royal Commission, he actually said, no, 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 we don't encourage that. And I actually think that's almost right, because it used to be when I grew up in a kingdom hall, they would beat the kids even inside the hall, you know? Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they don't do that anymore. So so and what happens if we can force the... the because... When you go to court and when you do activism, everyone says, you know, they will just change their wording, but they won't change their uh, what they do, you know. But the, the thing is with religion is all religions start with someone writing something on a paper and 100 years later, they take it very seriously and do what is said. So if you make force a religion to change their wording, like we always report to the police, 100 years from now, they actually believe that that's what they meant. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you one more thing? And I know that you have got a podcast song that you have chosen for me this time, and, and I like the sound of it. But I just want to ask you, is there anything that you'd like to share about what's happening in Finland or Russia or Denmark or your own country where you live in Norway? Any news going on at the moment that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, articles from Denmark which I don't have the ha haven't had the time to read. It was in Federlandsvennen, the, the Norwegian paper that wrote a lot about witnesses. Was an article there about kids growing up uh, afraid of demons. I've been in contact with the same journalist in Federlandsvennen about you know witnesses taking notes and we're having archives of people's ethnicity which is highly illegal uh, after second world war yes yeah, so i haven't read, read any of the danish articles but it's there's been a lot of uh, articles about the witnesses in denmark when it and you yourself were in the paper you said you were in the paper it was about a four or six page spread right yeah it was five uh, uh, page spread and front page and you were in it too and what was the story about it was about me leaving the cult. It was about me waking up in Orphur. I think it said that I wanted to. Uh, Orphur is the the location where I was my uh, my my, uh, my personal territory. It was one thousand square kilometers of wilderness, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the place is called Orphur. I think one of the subheadings was. I wanted to save the people in Orphur, but they saved me, which is technically true. <laughs> I started waking up there. Laura, I know that you're on a very limited time budget now. Do you have a song? Actually, Jonas has got the song today. He's oh. chosen something which is so nice um, to honour my Ukrainian heritage because uh, Ukraine's closer to Scandinavia than Australia. Um, uh, Jonas, is there any way that you could introduce the song in another language, like in Swedish or in Norwegian? Can you introduce the song? Yeah, the head at Verkasadjuska, and then song you played the head, and I woke up in Litun, I put it in Heliti, and then I put it in Heliti, and I put it in Heliti, and I put it So, Harasho means good, so thank you very much. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what so, the song is. <laughs> uh, it's translated, it basically, you know what it translates to, Jonas, in English? Uh, it. 
it's about it 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 it's go хорошо все будет хорошо very good it will be very good that's right it it's a great good. party song fantastic yes <laughs> and we do like to end it on a positive note so Jonas yeah. just tell us the date and the location of the protest again so people can listen to you if you like you can say it in another language It's the 25th of March uh, and I would really appreciate if someone would come uh, from Sweden or Norway mostly from Stockholm but I think we're making a great impact because technically we found out that every time the witnesses show a video in a kingdom hall the elder might go two years in jail and that has a huge impact I don't want them to go to jail no but that's that's we literally got them by the balls. Yeah, that is fantastic. Every elder showing doomsday propaganda <laughs> on children. the kingdom hall yeah. might go to jail for two years. Yes. Yeah. So this is literally we got them by the balls. Yeah, and they need I don't to... want anyone to go to jail. No, I just but they need to the understand to... the consequences of what they're doing yeah. to children and that what you're doing is safeguarding children. And I would encourage as many people as possible to go on go along to Jonas's protest and yeah. he's just the most fascinating man to talk to and we've had to cut him short a little bit. If I just could say something, Stockholm Please. is a very nice city and I'm planning on staying there for one week and we might rent a flat. So it's, yeah. So could yeah. Have go along and meet Jonas. No! Yeah, we could also. Yeah. I need a vacation. <laughs> I deserve a vacation. Oh, I just so. want to say quickly as well, you do invite people to your goat farm, don't you? You have said... I that if people I, I, need a retreat or a calm place, they can go to the goat farm and they can meet a kid called Katie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Everyone's welcome. You are the most generous, kind, lovely person, Jonas. Thank you so much for being mm-hmm. interviewed today and thank you for giving us a song for the end of the podcast and I really appreciate your time tonight. And thank you to everyone for listening to JW Community Podcast. Okay. Thank you. Скажут, ваш поезд ушел Мы ответим просто, что подождем другом И что на перроне скучать не пришлось Мы накроем стол и выпьем за любовь И будет хорошо, все будет хорошо Все будет хорошо, я это знаю, знаю Хорошо, все будет хорошо Мы чувствую, я девки загуляю Ой, загуляю Если на утром болит твоя голова, мы скажем прямо, ты не умеешь петь. Но как и некрасиво лечиться одного, но лучше с коллективом выпить по чуть-чуть и будет хорошо. Все будет хорошо, все будет хорошо, я это знаю, знаю. Хорошо, все будет хорошо, мы чувствуем, я девки завуляю. Ой, завуляю.
Все будет хорошо, все будет хорошо, я это знаю, знаю Хорошо, все будет хорошо, почувствую я, девки загуляют до субботы точно Хорошо, все будет хорошо, все будет хорошо, я это знаю Хорошо, все будет хорошо, почувствую я, девки загуляют Ой, загуляют Такое спортлото, полюбила, но не то Выиграла в любви джекпот, присмотрелась идиот И я для всех накрыла стол, есть киперчик и рассола Будем мы сейчас гулять, наливать и выпивать Хорошо, все будет хорошо, все будет хорошо, я это знаю Хорошо, все будет хорошо, почувствую я девки загуляю до субботы Ну и все, и спать. Иди домой. Разводка работает? Нет, не работает. Одинок, одинок, одинок. Это музыка есть. Не спи за нас, не шевелись. Одинок, одинок, одинок.